by a gifts burger. You could say please. Just give me one. I've got to be back up there in three minutes. Not until you say please. Manners cost nothing. For fuck's sake, can I have a burger, please? Of course you can. Would you like ketchup on that? Yeah, go on then. Please. <laughs> Your DJing seems to be going well. Yeah, it's all right. Made a few cock-ups. <laughs> well, no-one's noticed. It's weird, but I feel better when I'm doing it. Kind of not so tense. My counsellor used to say that frustration often comes from wanting to be noticed. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's probably why I exaggerate a bit. To feel special. Yeah. So like sometimes I feel like the kids here don't pay attention to me. Like I'm so dumb I don't matter. I guess making a few things up at least makes them notice. Do you fancy a beer? I've still got my two tokens. I, I don't mind sharing. Yeah. Yeah, cheers. I understand how you feel, you know. I can imagine. You're DJing, aren't you? Yeah. I used to DJ at a top nightclub in Ibiza. Oh, yeah? I could probably get you a regular spot. You look like you're really into it. Yeah. yeah it's all about being sensitive. I find it hard to trust, but when it's just me and the music, I'm sorted. Are you bent? What? It was just right then you sounded really, really bent. Yeah, I heard. Do you want to come up to the decks with me? Yeah, all right. Got them. <laughs> you didn't say please. What about opening up and trusting? Oh, fuck off, you fat wanker. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the British Television Invasion podcast, episode six, Christmas Dance. My name is Sean, and Laura, I just got this new suit. Do you think it's a little too jazzy? Yeah, I do think it's a bit too jazzy. I think it's kind of hideous, actually. Is it velvet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear your voice. I was uh, getting a little worried that you might be dead or something from this horrible bug or whatever you've had for the last like week and a half. Yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm just, you know, as ever. For, for not the first time, or not even the second time, I am... Broadcasting to you from my pajamas. <laughs> I am also podcasting to you from with you from my pajamas because I didn't have to go to work today and it's kind of nice. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, it's probably at least it's still morning there though. It's about half past two here nearly, so I'm just a, I'm just oh. an ill slob at this point. Well, I'll be honest with you. If I could, uh, if I could just be hanging out in my pajamas at half past two, I think I still would. <laughs> Fair enough. My favorite day is at work is whenever we do our wear your pajamas to work day. Oh, we never do that. I don't know how that would work in teaching. Yeah, it probably wouldn't be as f fun as at my job. No, the kids sometimes, like we have for children in need and stuff, sometimes the children do it, but we don't. You guys are respectable and you have to, uh, <laughs> you have to be role models to the students. You can't be wearing fucking pajamas no, to work No, I can't be wearing my Danger Mouse t-shirt like I am now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would ask how your week has been, but I know how your week has been. Yeah, pretty shit. How's your week been? Uh, it's been pretty pretty okay. Uh, been pretty pretty okay. Work has been insane with these California fires. I don't. I'm not sure if this story has made it over your way or not. But a town in in California, there was a forest fire that started last Friday, and by Saturday, it had pretty much obliterated an entire town. Yeah, this was um. It only really sort of made the news over here once people started dying, but yeah, it has made the news over here. It's pretty, pretty awful. A town with a population of about 27,000 people just completely obliterated, just turned to dust. It's absolutely insane. It's terrible. And people had five, ten minutes to get out of their house. Is, um, is this an area that has forest fires often, or is this 
this a weird thing? It's really kind of a climate change thing. Right. Um, sorry not to, uh, you know, go crazy or anything, but it's really kind of a climate change thing because California has just been absurdly dry and unusually warm this year. Right, okay, yeah. They think that there was like an electrical box or something that sparked and caught the woods on fire. And then the fire jumped into a canyon and there were these like 70 mile an hour winds blowing through this canyon. Right. And so it just caused this fire to spread absurdly fast. And it kind of encircled this town, so to speak. Like, so it came on one side, came on the other. And then everybody was pretty much forced out of their homes with like, five ten minutes and yeah something like 40 some odd people are dead it's terrible two it's just yeah, yeah two 200 plus are missing or injured and then down in malibu california which is a couple hours south of this one you know some malibu mm -hmm. so you know well-known town mm. that town is on fire too oh my god so it's just uh, yeah, yeah say what you like about england it's it rains all the time but at least it's not going to set on fire. Like you just can't, I mean, we don't really have natural disasters here. So it's, but I just, you can't get your head around it. Like even if you're lucky and you get out of it to just have everything you own be turned to ash. Like it's just, it's awful. Not to be like too much of a downer on the early part of this podcast, but uh, you know, I mean, like I said, people had 10, 15 minutes to get out of your house. I mean, Laura, like, can you imagine that somebody's like, Hey, Laura, Phil, Sadie, Esther, you guys need to get out of your house in 15 minutes. You do not have time to screw around. Yeah, take take the most important thing. Like, what would you, what would you even do? do you just yeah, what would you even grab? You'd waste time panicking as well, wouldn't you? So you think, oh yeah, well, I know exactly where all of our like important documents are. I'd go and I'd get that folder, but you probably wouldn't. Like, you probably wouldn't be thinking that straight. Oh, do I need clothes for the kids? Like, mm -hmm. do I need clothes? Like, where the fuck are we gonna go? Yeah. Like. I'm going to be driving on this road and I have nowhere to go. I mean, traffic was gridlocked for like, this guy was telling me that, you know, traffic was gridlocked for like two hours. Yeah, it's just awful. Those poor people. Yeah. So with that fun uh, <laughs> opening to this podcast, that fun, upbeat, happy opening, uh, what does the Inbetweeners script book say about this episode? Um, so the introduction to this one uh, starts off by saying that when they wrote the series they didn't know how it was going to go down they didn't know if it was going to get another series or whatever so they kind of wanted it to be like a story in itself so this ending was really like could have been that that ended entirely like they didn't know what was going to happen but they wanted it to be like a, a punctuating ending so they decided if it was going to be about a time of life and if they only ever had one series then it was going to be about this first term in the lower sixth um and they say if, another, if a miracle happened and we got another series the plan was to do the second half of the school year uh, but we didn't really think that was going to happen so we didn't really talk about the show doing any better than this first series um the uh ian morris who's written this introduction says that at his school the main dance was at christmas and it was he was on the organizing committee for it he says it was very stressful beforehand and absolutely <laughs> mental on the night um and we thought that throwing himself into something like this was exactly the sort of thing that will would do just to put on his cv and to try and gain some semblance of respect from his peers um he said it was quite easy to write because they had a lot of ideas to sort of tie things up the simon and carly thing 
Jay, Sex Life, Will and Charlotte. Uh, and it meant that it was there was a lot to play with, so they wrote it quite quickly. Um, their script editor, Robert Popper, who went on to write Friday Night Dinner, he said to push the thanks Phil scene with Mr Gilbert and to push it for all it's worth. And they were glad they did because that's his favourite scene from the, the whole episode. Um, and he says that rewatching it, he thinks it's a bit soppier than he would make it if he wrote it again. Uh, but <laughs> as they didn't know if this was going to be the ending forever, like it made sense to, to end it on a soppy note. And the ending is a nice set piece showing friendship, which is what the show was all about in the first place. Also, it ends with the sentence starting, I haven't washed my cock yet, which again shows that you could be use the most horrific language and still make something sweet and sentimental. That's really interesting because when I was watching this episode, I was like, wow, this feels like a real definitive ending. Yeah, yeah, this is clearly, they didn't know if it was going to go any further. So, and I could see that if it hadn't done, it would still be a nice thing as of itself to be those six episodes with this ending. Oh, but you know, Peep Show had some of those where they didn't know if it was going to come back or not. So they just kind of were like, okay, we'll just wrap it up with this That's episode. That's true, yeah, yeah, they did. If something happens, something happens. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about this episode? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I thought it was pretty fun. I, I didn't go to many dances in high school because, as previously stated, I was a huge dork in high school. Right, yeah. But I did go to prom twice. Yeah, I went to Homecoming, which is our like summer dance, our big summer dance, right, and then okay. I went to prom. Yeah, I always wondered about what Homecoming was because I've heard of it in films, but I didn't know what it was. Do you, so do you have prom every year then of high school? Only juniors and seniors can go to prom. Right. Sophomores and freshmen are not allowed to go to prom. Okay. All right. That's... Unless, unless their partner is, you know, a junior or a senior, then they can take them. But, uh, like, two sophomores, which are, like, 13 to 14, if I remember correctly, wouldn't be allowed to go to prom. Right. Okay. Gotcha. And uh, I've got a couple issues with this prom, but we'll, we'll talk we'll about that as we go. Okay. All right. <laughs> so the opening montage then is as it has been in every episode. We see a little montage of things that have happened. And Will in his voiceover says it was the end of his first term and his personal report card read, making new friends, C minus, must try harder, being one of the cool gang, D. And uh, we see Jay doing his crazy frog impression. Um, <laughs> his uh, nice, and there we see the nice badge dickhead bit. Not losing my virginity, and then we see uh, Charlotte telling him to put his pants back on. A star, but things were looking up. I'd been elected chairman of the school's Christmas prom committee, but he was the only candidate. Which, but you know, still, yeah. and he really wants he really wants to look the part. So he's going with Simon's dad and the rest of the crew over to a suit place to hire his first ever suit. Yeah, and it looks like a proper shit suit suit hire place that you get in all suburban towns. Um, Let me just ask this. So when he says they're going to hire a suit, I'm assuming that means he's renting a suit? Yeah. That's such a weird way of phrasing that. Why? How would you Why? How would you put that? I'm going to go rent a suit. Oh, okay. Yeah, we would say hire a suit. You guys are so strange with your fucking words <laughs> and your use and shit. I don't really know what the difference between the words hire and rent are, but yeah, that's what we do. I mean, hire to me implies like that this thing is going to be working for you. Like, I would hire a nanny, or I would hire a employee. I wouldn't uh, okay. hire a suit. See, I would... The word hire, in my mind, would be... That would, like, imply something that you 
go into so like you'd hire a hall or you'd hire a space so hiring a suit kind of makes sense like it is something you inhabit all right well we'll just agree that <laughs> your culture is weird and my culture is normal <laughs> okay <laughs> um, this is, this we, is my favorite thing about this show laura is that i hear these words and i'm like why 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 do you say why it that do you way use then, that word yeah it was, it was our language first god damn it <laughs> I remember I remember just being absolutely mind blown when you were like, no, maths is the correct way to pronounce it. Yeah, that's, I mean, don't even get me started on you do the math again. <laughs> you do the math. <laughs> <laughs> maths. Oh, Sadie does it all the time because she watches like things on YouTube that are like, like s- s- math songs. And she will say like the math and it's like, no, don't. Don't don't let them have you, Sadie. Don't let them take you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I learned the alphabet through Sesame Street, so I used to say Z, and I remember my mum being like, beating it out of me, not literally, but beating it out of me that like, no, it's not Z, it's Z. Say Z. Not only are we a podcast talking about TV shows, we are also educational. Yeah, we are linguists. Yes. <laughs> um, so we pull up to the suit store, and Simon's dad is... You know, just he looks so happy to be back at the old suit place. And Will is a little concerned, you know, are you sure this is the best place to hire suits? And Simon's dad says, listen, I've been coming here for years. Old Mr. Sethi knows me very well. He'll do you a good deal if you mention my name. And all the boys are a little concerned because they, you know, they think this place looks a little bit old fashioned. But Simon's dad assures them. The stuff here never goes out of fashion. It's timeless. Yeah. Um, Jay says he doesn't care because he's already bought a suit. Um, but Mr. Cooper says that once uh, Zethi went mental because he bought a suit back covered in grass stains, if you know what I mean. And Simon's <laughs> just dying on the inside. And he says, uh, and Mr. Cooper says, imagine that if you got the exact suit that I was wearing the first time that me and your mum and Simon's like, Fuck, yeah, shut up. Yeah. I love that little bit right there. Uh, Simon's dad is really, really funny. Yeah, he is. He's so embarrassing. Um, they go into the shop and um, the boys are being served by a smarmy chap, I think it would be fair to say. Uh, Will exits the little curtain dressing room and he's got a, like, a really horrible <laughs> old-fashioned suit with like shiny buttons on it. And Jay and Neil are laughing as he comes out. And Will says, uh, what do you think? And Mr. Sethi's like, oh yeah, it's a lovely fit. And Will says he's not too sure about the lapels which are hideous uh mr <laughs> sethi says is it too jazzy and will says yeah they are a bit too jazzy is this the sort of suit that a chairman would wear i love how they use the word jazzy here as a like analogy for disgusting or hideous <laughs> or whatever yeah um mr sethi says that this is definitely the suit a chairman would wear and will starts talking about how he's the chairman of the school's christmas prom and jay says that that's it you've now officially told everybody you've ever met will says "Ah, you know i just think it's important for people to know that's all and jay says well you know but i'm the dj that's far more important and will says no 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 i said you might get to dj before this conversation can really peak though simon walks out and he's wearing an equally hideous suit yeah, and, if uh, anything, Mr. more Seth- hideous, I would say, the one Simon's wearing. And Mr. Sethi just is like, oh, yes, very nice. And Simon is like, ah, I think it's kind of hideous. <laughs> is it velvet? <laughs> and Mr. Sethi is like, too jazzy. And Simon just says, yeah, yeah, too jazzy. I really like the way as well that, like, 
just the way you can imagine exactly what that suit feels like as soon as you see it like it's just it makes you recoil in horror like there's no way that suit isn't massively flammable oh have you ever worn velvet before I haven't. I've touched it, but I've never worn it. Oh, no, that's not true. I had a velvet hat when I was a child. That was a big thing in, like, the early 90s. These sort of floppy black velvet hats were a massive fashion oh, thing. Oh, yeah. And I, I had one of those. those, yeah, and it was really, like, it was really staticky. I just, like, every time I've touched velvet, I just hate the feeling of touching velvet. Yeah, it puts so my I teeth on edge. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I couldn't imagine, like engulfing my entire body in velvet yeah it was really horrible i'm sure i've got a picture of me in it somewhere i'll have to tweet it it was oh it was yeah it really put my teeth on edge touching it mr sethi is like well i could get you something extra special for simon and simon just is looking a little concerned jay just at this point sounds upset and he's yelling at will and he says you said i could fucking dj simon says oi let him dj he's part of my plans to seduce carly yeah and will says that quick as a flash what's he gonna do hold her down which is a very <laughs> funny line and simon says he just completely ignores that like it has like will hasn't even said it and he says you know i get breathless every time i think of her and when i see her heart but when i see her my heart does little flips and jay says are you bent because it's just right then when you said that you sounded really really bent <laughs> and will will wants to know well won't carly's boyfriend be there and simon says who and will says yeah, her boyfriend, the massive rugby player, and Simon goes off on this, like, long kind of rambling thing where he's like, oh, him? Yeah, no, I don't think they're going out. Or if they are, then they really aren't. I I don't know. She never really says they definitely are. So maybe they aren't. Yeah, I mean, that's the most positive possible way of looking at it. Yeah, uh, and then Mr. Sethi comes back in with another suit, even more hideous than the last one. And when he sees the look on the boys' faces, he says too jazzy surmising that there isn't anything in that <laughs> shop that's not too jazzy yeah i love this where he's just like oh too jazzy and the boys are just like what is this fucking monstrosity <laughs> uh will was highly complimentary of simon's dad's suit in bunk off that's true actually it- yeah even though he looked like a hasidic jew he <laughs> did like it didn't he so yeah weird yeah and uh he doesn't seem like the kind of person who would be taken in by, you know, a low rent suit. Maybe it's just that these are his like party suits and this is what he thinks you've got to look like for a night out. A bit like my ex boyfriend who used to think that if it was a special occasion you should wear a waistcoat, even though he was quite a fat man. Like it's <laughs> everyone's got their thing. <laughs> yeah. Um so next scene we are at the exterior of the school and all four of the boys are walking together and Will is, you know, saying that, you know, with prom a few days away, I was stressed, but I wasn't the only one with things on my mind. And Neil announces, you know, I think I'm ready for a relationship. And Jay says, oh, you th- you mean you think you're wanking too much? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Neil says, yeah, that's exactly it. And Simon then says, talking of which, and we see a moderately attractive woman getting out of a car, and it is Miss Timms. Um, and Jay says, oh, Miss Timms. And Neil says, yep, she's so fit. It should be illegal for her to teach biology. I almost knocked one out there and then when we did the reproductive system. And Will says, as something of an outsider, I'd say she actually isn't very fit at all. She's just the only adult female in the school under 30. And I just wanted to ask you, as a, as a teacher who was under 30, 
did you ever have boys in your school that you were pretty sure had a crush on you? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I definitely did. I mean, always the weirdos, but yeah, it's a, it's a kind of, it's a hazard of the job of just for both sexes. I think probably having kids have crushes on you. Yeah, when I was in high school, my English teacher, he was like twenty six, twenty seven, something like that. So less than ten years older than us. Mm. And all the girls just had quite the little crush on him. Yeah, it's a standard thing. And before the law changed, that meant it was like massively illegal to be going out with your sick formers. It, it was something that, that happened fairly often. You'd always have like one rogue new teacher who was young and would end up going out with the sick former. I never understand those stories where you're you're like... Oh, yeah, we met. He was so cute. And then we just spent months banging each other in my car and at my house. And, you know, it's, um, I it's, gave up my husband for a 16-year-old. I think it's, like, it's even less easy to understand when having been a teenage girl and having and knowing other teenage girls and knowing that most late teenage girls can pass themselves off for considerably older you could sort of see that that might make sense with male teachers and female students, but the other way around, just, like, teenage boys are horrible, and it's bad enough when you have to go out with them when you are a teenage girl, let alone when you're 30 years old and you don't have to. Like, what what possible, like, what possible thing can an adult woman see in a 16-year-old boy? They smell funny, and they've got their dress sense, and they're really immature. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it never made any sense to me either. And here in America, it's almost always exclusively male students with female teachers. Oh, it's really? almost never female students with male teachers. Ah, no, when you hear of it here, it's always the other way around. It's always female student and male teacher. They continue to have the discussion about the fitness of Miss Timms, and uh, Will says, I mean, she's fine, but she's no, and before he can finish, Jay just says, oh, she definitely get it. <laughs> and Will just wants them all to concentrate above the waist for a second, because he needs help planning, he needs help at the planning meeting over lunch. Yeah, he says he's got some brilliant jobs lined up, uh, like giving out the vouchers that can be exchanged for alcohol. This blew my mind that your high school dances had alcohol. Only if you're in the sick form. So only if you're over 18 or people are over 18. Oh, okay. I don't actually think that this would happen in the, their year. Like, I think it would only be the ones that were over 18 were allowed to have alcohol vouchers. Although, conveniently, it's not mentioned that that, that isn't mentioned that they do seem to use them even though they're only 17. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was a little confused there. I was like, oh my God, that's insane. Yeah, I think it's just like, I think it just would have been too complicated to not allow them to drink in this and let some of them drink. So they've just let everyone. But Jay says that if they control the beer vouchers, they've got the pick of the birds, the drunk birds. And Will says this sounds a bit rapey. And Jay says, say what you like, Professor Words, but thanks to you, we're going to be drowning in babes. Will says, I just want the night to be a success. I've got no interest in babes. And Jay says, well, that's handy because they've no interest in you. And Will kind of bristles a little bit and he says, oh, I'm sorry. Who here is pulled? Charlotte Heathcliff? Huh? Who? Me? That's who? And Simon says, uh, she only did it for a bit. And Will defends himself and says, no, that's not true. 
Uh, Let's yeah. not get into all that again. Yeah, and Jay says it is true, and Will says it's not fucking true. People don't get fingered for a bet, Jay, with the possible exception of your sister. And they all sort of <laughs> go like, oh, and Jay says, take that Ooh. back. And Will says, actually, I do take it back, but your mum, on the other hand, would probably get fingered for a packet of biscuits. And that <laughs> all the boys are just, like, laughing and, like, doing the oh sound. I like how saucy Will has gotten. Like, he's turned into a hard man, like, yeah, in the he has. these three. Yeah, he's definitely... The Will at the start of the a series one wouldn't have said that. Episode one, Will would have just kind of not known how to defend himself. But no. episode six, Will, he's a bad motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, we then go into a scene in the sc- a classroom in the school and Will in his voiceover says that no one cool wanted to help organise the prom. So when it came to recruiting a crack team, I wasn't exactly spoiled for choice. And we see sitting in the room the sort of freaks from episode one, John, <laughs> Susie, Will, Neil, Jay, Simon, all looking pretty bored. Not Will, Will's not looking bored. He's chairing the meeting, but the others are all looking bored. Um... Will then says, whilst there may be no I in team, luckily there wasn't me. And if I was to stop these morons from screwing up my big night, every fine detail had to be planned. So Will starts to chair the meeting and uh, he says, as you know, this is going to be the first ever Christmas prom. Two things are going to make this event successful, teamwork and exceptional leadership. And he has an agenda and he says, the first thing that we need to discuss is, and before he can really get into it this guy john raises his hand and says are we gonna have food and will says yep yep we will that's item four on the agenda so we'll get to that and john just continues like he hasn't even heard a thing that will has said and he says you know i think we should we should have food and i was wondering what type everyone thought we should have and he goes on this tangent about how you know lasagna and burgers are both nice you don't need a plate for burgers which gives them an edge on lasagna but you can eat lasagna off a plate too and Jay just is like, lardass, there will be food, shut the fuck up so we can get this over with. And John looks very hurt, and Jay tells him to shut up again, and John just says, right, right, okay. <laughs> um, will then says, item one is the venue, this is they're going to have it in the school hall, obviously, so item two, the band. Um, Jay says, we don't need a band because he's DJing, Will says, only after 10.30, and Jay says, I should be DJing the whole thing. And Will says, well, they're booked now. And Jay says, you're shit at this. I'd be much better. I've organised hundreds of parties. Um, and Will says, this is the first ever Christmas prom, not a chimps tea party. We want it to be good and we want it to be structured. And Jay says, what we actually want is a big bucky disco and a piss up. <laughs> <laughs> all my all my high school dances that I ever went to were the, uh, were the chimps tea party. They were just... They were not big mucky discos in a piss up. No, I mean, I'm with Jay. If you're going to have a party, that is what you want. Simon says, I've known you for 10 years and I've never seen you organise a party. And Jay says, that's bollocks. What about my birthday party last year? Simon says that your mum organised that. And Jay says, yeah, under my supervision. Supervision, and it was a wicked party to which Neil says that he fingered a bird. I love Neil in this scene. <laughs> like, he just... Neil, in general, has really been one of my favourite characters this entire show because he just... He doesn't say much... But when he does, it has an impact. Yeah, and I love that. What he says is brilliantly understated as well. Like, he never overplays it. No. No, he doesn't. Jay says that he also organized the caravan club parties. And Simon says, remember, we have been to a caravan club party. And it was shit. And Neil goes, well, I fingered a bird. <laughs> and Jay just says, look, there you go. And Will says, Jay, now's not the time. Item three. 
And then Simon has pretty much had enough of it at this point. Yeah, as he says, seriously, why are we here? Because you've clearly decided everything already. And Will says, no, I haven't. There's still lots of stuff I need your help with. And Simon says, like, what? And Will says, like, who cleans up the next day? Which is item 28. What 25 points of discussion could you have between food and cleanup? If you're asking that question, you've clearly never worked in education, my friend, because we have meetings every <laughs> week where it could easily be 30 points of the discussion and they're all bollocks. I'm sure I've, I'm sure if I asked my mom about that, my mom would be like, oh, yeah, 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 that is very true. And <laughs> um, we then go into the school canteen where the boys are getting their lunches, moving across the line. Will has uh, his and Jay isn't actually buying anything but he's eating chips as he goes along out of the like serving thing um and it looks like this argument's been going all day um and jay's saying that she did she did it as a bet so he's still saying this and will's like one more time that's not true and jay says say what you like i know it was a bet ask her will says he will and jay says well look she's over there and points at charlotte in the in the queue and Will says, I'm not going to ask her now, am I? I'll ask her later or tomorrow at the prom. Yeah, so at this point we see Carly and, you know, Jay is like, oh, go ask her. She's over there. Go ask her now. And Simon's like, I'm not going to ask her now. I'll ask her later or tomorrow prom. And finally he just gets a little dose of courage and he's like, fine, here goes. And he walks up to Carly and Carly's got a friend with her who has like really short kind of blonde punky hair and she's wearing like a like a tie i don't know school tie it, yeah but in a sort yeah, of punky like, way yeah it looked weird to me and simon is trying to ask carly to go to the dance and he just says listen this dance uh you are going aren't you and she says yeah and he says great great maybe we could go together and carly just completely misinterprets it and says oh i could do with a lift yeah thanks right and uh simon's like yeah right a lift uh yeah and she says tom's car is broken so that'd be perfect and simon's like great uh, i've got to get here early and help will set up so i'll pick you up about four and carly just seems like aghast at this and she just says four you want me to get to a prom that starts at eight at four o'clock and simon says yeah well that's what time i'll be getting there there'll be loads to do she says so what i could turn up in my evening dress four hours early help you blow up balloons and Simon says, yeah, you could help scrub the floors, too. It might be fun. We could all do it together. Yeah, and so the friend just says, are you mentally ill? And Simon's like, no, good one. And Carly says, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll see you there when, when it's the evening. And she laughs and walks off. Um, and poor Simon is, he doesn't even look crestfallen. It's typical Simon that he sort of just takes it as, you know, it's probably a positive. You hear Jay, Neil, and Will talking in the background, and Jay says... You know, since he's met you, he's become much more of a dick. And Will says, really? And Neil says, yeah. He does seem to think more and, like, express himself. And I just said, I just thought to myself, I love how this is perceived as a weakness. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a weakness amongst them. Um, and Will says, isn't it a good thing? And Jay says, does it look like a good thing? And we just see Simon with his hands, like, over his face, sort of going onto the floor in a little like in a little huddle into himself um and yeah, it's very funny yeah and then they're paying for their dinner and the dinner lady says that she's going to charge jay for chips and jay says i never had chips even though he's still chewing the chip i love it. i love this she's like yeah we're you gotta pay for those chips and he's just got like a mouthful of chips it's very very fucking funny 
We then move on to the sick form common room where Mr. Gilbert is uh, addressing the group and he says, right, tomorrow is your Christmas party or prom if you would insist on speaking like our transatlantic cousins and myself and Miss Timms will be attending. Neil is like, yes. <laughs> and Mr. Gilbert says, make sure to enjoy yourself sensibly. Like Mr. Gilbert, he just chews up the scenery in this episode, in this scene. Yeah. He is so fucking funny in this scene. Yeah. He says, obviously he wants them to have fun. But in order to make it enjoyable for everyone, there are a few rules. Number one, everyone will get two alcoholic drink tokens and no more. Frankly, the last thing I want is to be cleaning up your dreadful sick, or even worse, you putting your arms around me and telling me that I'm all right for a teacher and that you love me. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, this is a school dance and not the last days of Rome, which Will then laughs too hard at, which is very funny in itself. Um, and Mr. Gilbert seems to not even like be happy that Will has got the joke. He just gives him a withering look. And he says, what I mean by this is no heavy petting, and I will be the judge of what constitutes heavy. And Jay does like the little <coughs> pervert <coughs> thing, and Mr. Gilbert says, I heard that, but if I see anything that I consider too much, you will be sent home. Is that clear? And all the students are like, yeah, all right. And he's like, is that clear? And they're like, yes sir like they're in the military it's very funny yeah and he says good have a nice evening i'll leave i'll leave you in the hands of the chairman of the organized organizing committee god help you william mckenzie yeah um and will takes over the floor by saying thanks phil to which mr gilbert the look <laughs> on his face is spectacular oh my god this this scene just made me laugh so fucking hard oh my god this is so funny and he says you know thanks phil and mr gilbert's like I i'm sorry and will is just completely oblivious oblivious here and he says thanks for that phil and mr gilbert just says phil <laughs> and will says as it's uh, the dance is outside of school time i just assumed and mr gilbert sort of cuts in before he can continue he's like well you assumed wrong will very wrong so Will kind of like turns to the sick form and is like, uh, okay, sorry. And Mr. Gilbert is not going to let this, this lie. And he says, say my name properly. And Will says, Mr. Gilbert. And Mr. Gilbert says, say thank you. And Will says, thank you. And he says, say thank you, Mr. Gilbert. And Will says, thank you, Mr. Gilbert. And he says, yeah, better. Oh God, that part just cracks me up. Um, I know you wanted to ask a question about what we call a prom if we don't call it a prom as well. I was a little thrown off why uh, Mr. Gilbert is throwing shade at your transatlantic cousins. Um, it's just one of those weird things. So, like, it was never a thing. We never had proms. You might have a party at the end of the year when you finish school. And if you went, like I did, to, like, a grammar school sort of set up for, for I went to for sick form, they had, like, a formal dance they called it a sick form ball uh but we never called it a prom and then about probably about 10 years ago so yeah so i didn't have a prom and i left school 15 years ago when i started teaching everyone was having proms so somewhere between 15 and 10 years ago we all started suddenly having proms at the end of year 11 and it's just not it was never a thing previously so i think mr gilbert is just just making it clear that he thinks it's like a weird Americanism that's that's come in. I gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, they've become a massive sort of, probably as, like a big deal like they are over there with, with kids spending hundreds and hundreds of pounds on dresses and suits and limousines and stuff. Whereas when I was at school, literally our chemistry teacher did a buffet 
and we had a disco and that was our end of year sort of farewell from school prom is a huge thing over here i mean every usually prom i think if i remember correctly is like the second or third week of april oh really is it as early as that i mean our school year ends in may so it's usually about right yeah yeah it's it's usually about a month before the end of school so i think that our prom was like kind of middle late april right okay yeah gotcha what what is prom short for I'm assuming promenade. Right, yeah, that's what I thought it must be as well. I, I have no idea. No, no. I'm just going to say promenade like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. it's just it's just a weird thing that's kind of in the last 10 years or so, it's just got massive and now every school has them and like I say, they're a big deal and people have after parties and stuff and it just, just wasn't a thing when I was at school. I wasn't cool enough to go to an after party, but yeah, they're... I mean, the whole plot of American Pie number one is, is going the after to prom, party, and then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah going to the after party. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. We go to the next scene, and we see everybody. They're in the gym setting up, and Will is like having a, a conniption, and um, Will says that prom had night had arrived, and he was watching his crack team setting things up, and it's oh my god, we totally skipped a part. Oh, yeah, we've skipped Donovan threatening Will. Yes. Oh, okay. I'm going to leave this in because that's very funny. <laughs> we started talking about prom and just totally yeah. skipped the Donovan stuff. Uh, as Mr. Gilbert walks off, Will gets up in front of the the students that are assembled in the room to talk about a few things. And everybody's just like, ah, fuck off. And they everybody starts walking out, except for Mark Donovan, who walks up to Will and says, if I see you anywhere near Charlotte, I'll rip your fucking throat out and have a nice time and will's like well that's good that's good that's something to look forward to um and will's voiceover he says brilliant it wasn't just my reputation on the line at the prom now it was my life (laughs) (laughs) yep and uh now we go to the gym where everybody is setting up and will says it was the moment of truth prom night had arrived as i was watching my crack team setting things up it's fair to say i was shitting myself and we see David and he's like leaning over a ladder and leaning onto a sign and Will's like, David, don't lean on that. It'll come down. Yeah. Um and Simon uh says why are we oh, Will says that that um, who's written the toilet signs? Where are the toilet signs? And Simon says that we're at school, everyone knows where the toilets are, they piss in them every day. And Will says not everyone's gonna know. We're meant to have signs and this is clearly him like just stressing his bollocks off because he's like, The pen's run out, how could this be happening? Tonight's a fucking disaster and Simon's <laughs> like, You need to calm down, it's all fine. Yeah, it looks good and Will says, Look, people are gonna judge tonight and therefore me as either a huge success or a massive failure. And Simon says, Look, you've got balloons. You're already one up on any event this school's ever had before. And Will says, it's just hard to relax knowing Donovan might very well kick the shit out of me at some point. And Simon's like, oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. That makes so much more sense. Yeah. Um, and Will says, "How anyway, how come you're so calm? Because I thought this was the night you were planning to get Carly. And Simon's like, no, I'm fine. Jay's got this end sorted and I know exactly what to say. And Will says, so you're going to trust Jay with what could be the tenderest moment of your life? And Simon's like, yeah, it'll be fine. It's a good plan. And it can't be any worse than puking on her brother's head, can it? What did Jay do to Simon that endeared this trust in him? Well, you're right. What has happened here that because Jay has not has not proven himself to be, you know, a great matchmaker so far. So I don't know why Simon. Maybe it's just a, it shows you how desperate he is that he's thinking. Well, you know, might as well 
might as well give this a go with Jay's man because nothing else is working. And we find out that Will still doesn't know what Simon's plan with Carly is. And before we can really find out, Neil walks in wearing this like 70s velvet disco suit and he doesn't have a shirt on underneath it and he has a bow tie and he looks like a male stripper yeah it's like an all-in-one yeah it's exactly like a stripper outfit like you feel like if you pulled the front of it the whole thing would come off i believe they call those jumpsuits or something yeah, like that. yeah i think it is a jumpsuit i think that's exactly what it is um and if he was wearing a shirt underneath it it would look it would look probably more okay yeah but the fact that he's not wearing a shirt underneath it yeah, uh, it's just makes it look equally stripperish. It's just open to the navel, um, and Simon says, "Oh my god, I thought that our suits were shit." And Jay can't stop laughing. He's like, "Your cock looks so tiny; it's like an acorn." <laughs> uh, Simon wants to know if Neil's gone mental, and Neil says, "No, this is cool." And Jay, Neil says, "It's cool. I saw it in nuts. Girls will fancy me because I stand out." And Jay says, "You'll stand out because your cock is minuscule." Is nuts like a magazine yeah, or something? Yeah, it was. It's not anymore. It was a. It was like a lad's mag. Oh, okay, because uh, the way that I was reading this was, look, I saw it in Nuts, and I was thinking that Jay was, like, pointing at Neil's nuts, ah, okay. and I was like, why is this worded so fucking strangely? <laughs> Jay says that he's going to stand out because his cock is minuscule, and <laughs> Neil wants, Neil just says, will you stop looking at my cock? And Simon says, mate, I think that's brave, really brave. And Jay just is like, it's so shit, and Neil's like, maybe I should go stick a couple socks down there. <laughs> And he asks if there's any jobs for him to do, and Will says, can you just wash your hands afterwards? And Neil says, yeah, gotcha. And then he's like, oh, where's, where are the toilets? Proving that uh, not everyone is going to know where the toilets are. Yeah, and, and Will just is like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> we then move into the hall later on, and the party appears to be in full swing. The band are playing. It looks great. Neil's doing his little robot dance from Caravan Club. Um and Will is, in his voiceover, says, despite being organised by a team of geeks, it was actually, looked like people were enjoying the party. Mind you, I couldn't afford to relax. And he's sort of rushing around, telling people off. And there's this band that's playing this song, and I feel like this song is, like, six hours long. Um, but this is one thing that always really cracks me up, is because every time you watch some sort of movie where there's a prom, they always have a live band playing there. Yeah, that's true, actually. And that, certainly, I've never seen that. I've only ever seen a disco. The school that I went to was pretty wealthy. We never had a live band play at our school. We had like, we had like a DJ. We had like a pretty decent DJ that would play at ours. In fact, I don't think I've ever even been to a wedding where there's been a band. Or if I have, like maybe one wedding. Yeah, now that you mention it, I don't think I've ever been to a wedding with an actual band. No, this is, this stuff only happens in the films, clearly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it makes it more interesting. Yeah. Um... Neil says that Will is stressed and Simon says he shouldn't be really. It's a, a pretty good party. And Neil then says, oh, and it got even better. Here's Miss Timms. And we see Miss Timms uh, in an evening dress. Simon says, oh, she actually does look quite fit. And Neil's like, yeah, very fit. And he has a, a massive gulp of his beer. And uh, you can see he's thinking about, he's getting drunker and he's thinking about making the moves with Miss Timms. <laughs> and uh, they ask they ask Simon if he's found Carly yet. And Simon Simon says, not yet, but she'll be here soon. And they ask Simon if he wants a better drink and uh, another drink. And Simon says, better not. I don't want a repeat of what happened last time. Simon looks at Jay and says, you okay with the plan? And Jay says, yeah, yeah, I'm on it. And 
Simon says, you got the timings and everything. And Jay says, yeah, to the second. And Simon is like, please don't fuck this up. And Jay just says, yeah, I won't fuck it up. Go on, go on, find here. And Simon says, right, here goes. And uh, Neil like slams his drink and starts to walk over to Miss Tim's. And we get a voiceover that says, as Neil was about to discover, the problem with drinking for Dutch courage is the next level of drunk up from that is drunk is Dutch dickhead and i thought this line was fantastic yeah because it is so true we've all been there yeah i i have so many problems with that like getting just enough drunk like i either am you know slightly buzzed or i'm like blacking out yeah me too i've got no even after all these years of drinking i'm still not very good at it like i'm not good at that (laughs) line of like yeah, basically, like you say, just slightly buzzed or being sick on my shoes. Uh, New Year's Eve last year was quite the debacle. <laughs> yeah, but my best friend's wedding was the last time that I was just like, yeah, there's, there, I was 30 years old, like I should have known better, I did not know better. Yeah, uh, so next scene we go to, the band is still playing this same fucking song. <laughs> Will's, mon- Will's voiceover says, the band rocked, the people largely found the toilets without a sign, and best of all, my throat remained unripped. And now all I had to worry about was Jay's DJing and we hear Jay playing some song and Will comes up to him and says, this isn't on the approved playlist. No one likes this one, Jay. And that's not just any song that is, oh, what is that called? It was a, it was a massive, like it was at number one for ages. It kept Victoria Beckham off the top spot when she was first, um, Groove Jet. This ain't love. I think it's called. Is that was a big song over here. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. It should be on the approved playlist. I don't know why it's not. Yeah, I think it's called If This Ain't Love. Yeah, Spiller and Groove Jet. There you go, If This Ain't Love. And Sophia Lispector was... Is it Sophia Lispector's in this... Songs are in this twice. Maybe someone's a secret Sophia Lispector fan. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, Charlotte sees Will and she says, Oh, hello, stranger. And Will's just like, Oh, um, hello. Is is Mark around? And Charlotte wants to know why. Were you going to ask him to dance? And Will says, ha ha ha, no, I wasn't. <laughs> um, Charlotte says, are you all right? And Will says, yeah, I just don't know if this is any good. What makes a cool party? And she's like, come on, it's a great party. Just enjoy yourself. And Will says, you're just being nice. And she says, why would I want to be nice to you? And she sort of nudges him like she's being playful. And she says, trust me, I've been to lots of parties, lots of shit parties, and this really isn't one. Hey, you've done really well for a geek. Come on, let's go for a dance. And she tries to sort of lead him off and he says that he doesn't really dance and he's got stuff to sort out. And she says, okay, but you owe me a dance later on. Yeah, and I thought this was, was very nice. Uh, this is a very genuine moment between these two. Yeah. Will says, oh, Charlotte? And she says, yeah. And Will says, you know, us? She says, yeah. And he goes, it wasn't a bet, was it? And she just lays this kiss on him and she says, just enjoy your party. We'll have a dance later. And I really do enjoy this relationship between Charlotte and Will. Yeah, and I'm very interested to see where it goes it, to. It is quite cute and it is quite genuine. Um, we then move over to the other side of the hall where the food is. And Jay is taking a break from DJ. And he's at the little food counter. This was my favorite bit in this entire episode. <laughs> um, it's very funny. He's next to Big John. And... Um, and Big John's like serving out the burgers and Jay says, give us a burger. And John says, you could say please. And Jay's like, come on, I've got to be up there in three minutes. Like, give me a burger. And John says, not until you say please. Manners cost nothing. And Jay's like, oh, for fuck's sake. And then he says, can I have a burger, please? And this makes John smile. And John's like, yeah, of course you can. Would you like ketchup on that? 
and Jay says, oh, yeah, go on. And you can see there's sort of like a, they, they understand each other. There's like an easiness between them that's, that's sweet. Although I was throwing up in my mouth as John was serving the food with his bare hands. <laughs> yeah, especially as big John. You don't know where his hands have been. Um, John then says, your DJing seems to be going well. And Jay says, yeah, it's all right. I've made a few cock-ups. And John says, well, no one's noticed. And Jay sort of opens up and he says, it's weird, but I feel better when I'm up there doing it. Not so tense. And John says, my counselor used to say that the frustration often comes from wanting to be noticed. And and the camera like zooms in closely on Jay's face. And Jay just is like, yeah, yeah, that's it. It's probably why I exaggerate a bit. <laughs> and John kind of, is playing the role of a, of a therapist here. And he says, Oh, to feel special. And Jay says, yeah, it's like, sometimes I feel like the kids here don't pay attention to me. Like I'm so dumb. I don't matter. I guess making a few things up at least makes them notice. And John asks if he wants a, if he fancies a beer, he still got his two tokens. He doesn't mind sharing. And Jay just says, yeah, yeah. Cheers. And John says, I, I understand how you feel, you know, back in a mo." And at this point, Carly's friend with the short, punky hair comes up and starts talking to Jay. Yeah, and she says, uh, you're the DJ, aren't you? And when Jay says he is, she says, yeah, I used to be a DJ in a top nightclub in Ibiza. And she's clearly like the female Jay, we realise. She's an absolute bullshitter. And uh, she says, yeah, I could probably get you a regular spot. You look like you're really into it. And Jay's like, yeah, it's all about being sensitive. I find it hard to trust, but when it's just me and the music, I'm sorted. And she just says are you Ben in a echo of Jay earlier on in the episode and Jay says what and she's like just now though you sounded really really Ben it's funny because her asking him that question just like completely snaps him out of whatever introspective trance he was in yeah it breaks the spell Big John comes back over with the beers and he hands one to Jay and then Jay takes it and then he grabs the other one and he just hands it to the girl and John is just like hey you didn't see say please what about opening up and trusting and jay just looks at him and says oh fuck off you fat wanker (laughs) (laughs) and he leads samantha the friend over towards the dj booth and john's left looking all sad and dejected this part really made me laugh so fucking hard i i watched this scene like probably two or three times uh just because i was dying watching it when you know he's like yeah you know, he's having this like genuine moment of in- introspection, and then Samantha's like, "Ah, oh, are you bent?" And he's like, "What? What? No! Oh! Oh God! Oh God!" <laughs> we then move to another part of the hall where Simon's looking for Carly. He's sort of looking through the 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 crowd for her, and then we see that she's on her own without Tom. And um, and Simon's like, "Oh, you got here all right then?" And Carly's sort of she's a bit grumpy and she says yeah it looks like it and simon says where's tom and carly's like oh that dick he's out of his rugby mates i left him just as they were going to start drinking beer out of each other's bum crap and simon's like oh okay like that's a bit weird and carly's like i don't care i'm not even interested and and simon says great and carly says did you want anything in particular and he says yeah yeah i did want something and at this point it's like the record scratch and the music stops yeah and carly looks kind of weird and she says why has the music stopped and we think simon is about to have this great moment and he says because i need to say i just wanted to say to you and she cuts him off and she says are you going to ask me to finger myself again and simon's like no god no and she says it loud enough so that the entire school can hear it and they just all start laughing at him and he says 
I just need to say that, uh, and she says, Simon, I've had enough of dickheads today. What is it? Why are you being so weird? And Simon just is feels defeated here, and he's like, oh, oh, it's nothing. I was going to say something, but it's gone now. And she keeps pressing him, and she's like, what were you going to say? Simon says, I was going to say, and then we see what everybody's laughing at. Yeah, he says, oh my god, what the fuck is Neil doing? And we look over and we see that um, that he Neil is opposite Miss Timms, and they've clearly been dancing, but it looks like he's about to lunge at her. And Carly turns around just in time to catch him lunging to give her a kiss. Neil says, come here, and Miss Timms is like, Neil! And Neil says, I'll go on. And Miss Timms is like, what are you doing? And Neil says, I love you, please. And he lunges again and she sort of pushes him off. And everyone's just laughing. And people start shouting, boner, boner. And we look down and see that poor Neil has a boner in his jumpsuit. Yep. And Mr. Gilbert comes over and he says, oh, God, every year, every year someone has a pop, don't they? <laughs> Come on, Sutherland, let's get you a glass of water. And he grabs he grabs Neil by the lapel and, like, <laughs> drags him out of the dance and... I really, oh man, I really would have been, I really would have loved to have seen this scene between Gilbert and Neil, because it sounds like, from what we hear later, that it was actually somewhat of like, probably a very father-son moment, yeah, I would imagine. I, I guess that Mister, we don't want to see Mr. Gilbert break his act, but I agree with you that it sounds like he was actually quite nice to Neil and sobered him up. Um, yeah, which is quite sweet, really. Yeah, I, I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah. Um, we then see that Carly is in, back in the crowd and she's Thomas coming after her and she's giving him a massive bollocking. And she says, what's your problem? I wanted you to come here with me. Sorry, she says, what's your problem? I wanted you to come here with me tonight, yeah? And you decide to go out with your mates instead. And Thomas like, what's wrong with that? And Carly says, what do you mean what's wrong with that? I had to come here on my own. And Simon sort of smiles to himself as he sees them rowing. Yeah. Um, we go on later and we go to the next scene and it's a little bit later and it's Will and, uh, Mark Donovan and Mark comes over to Will and says, I fucking warned you about talking to Charlotte. Are you taking the piss? And Will's like, I didn't, I wasn't. She came over to me and he's like, Mr. Gilbert, Mr. Gilbert. <laughs> and at this point, Big John just sound, shouts, Hey, put him down. And then we get another like record scratch music stop. And then... Mark looks at Big John and says, or what? And then we get kind of the classic like sitcom thing where the whole school starts like, yeah, leave him alone. He ain't even done nothing. And, you know, everybody's yelling at Mark, you know, don't be a dickhead. Fuck off. Leave the specky short ass alone. He organized a good party. Briefcase is all right. And um, Charlotte walks up and says, don't be a tit. And Mark is like, Mark at this point looks just really embarrassed and um, kind of runs off and Will looks at everybody and says, that was really kind. I sort of knew that I had to say a few words at some point tonight and he prepared a little speech and then the music just starts again and Will just says, ah, oh. and of course. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't, let, couldn't let it be too perfect for Will there, I don't think. No, um, I love this little part. It's It's just, again, it's like, this episode does such a good job of of adding all the like high school movie cliches. Yeah, it does definitely. I agree with you because you do think because it's been a bit soppy thus far in parts. You have a moment of thinking like, "Oh, Will's going to get to do his speech," and then he doesn't, and that makes it even more perfect. <laughs> um, we get another great Mr. Gilbert scene after this. 
Um, so we see people leaving the school. Um, someone's being carried out of the hall by his parents, and he's saying, sorry, mum, and the dad's like, don't worry, son. And Mr. Gilbert's standing watching the whole thing, and he says, well done, children. A fairly innocuous jamboree of adolescent nonsense. Fear not. The relationships that some of you have entered into tonight, well, they may seem like everything now, but they'll be over in a matter of weeks. And if we could just make it home without tagging people's property, because there's some people doing graffiti, and he's like, I might go to bed relatively hate-free. And then he sees two kids making out on, like, the uh, picnic table, and he's like, Oi, oi, you two, you want me to fetch up my dinner? Go home, and, like, kind of scares them off. Yeah, and it's a, it's a really well-done bit of Mr. Gilbert. It's everything I love about Mr. Gilbert. He's sort of wise, but also really angry. Uh, Mr. Gilbert, this is, like, for me so far, this is this episode has had like peak Mr. Gilbert in it. I think Mr. Gilbert is, is such a shame that he can't be used more because obviously because he's their teacher and not always with them and it would be weird if he was, but it's a shame in some ways and it, this happens in the film as well. There are two very funny moments in both movies where Mr. Gilbert is, is there, but obviously he can't he can't go on holiday with them. So it's it's a shame that there's so little Mr. Gilbert, but what is when Mr. Gilbert is used, he's used really well, I think. Yeah, he kind of almost reminds me of, like, kind of early Super Hands before Super Hands became, like, a real, you know, reoccurring character. Yeah, like, yeah. He, was... he, comes, he, yeah. he comes, he's wise, he insults people, he leaves. He's great. Mr. Gilbert is, man, he's a great character. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> um, so, next we go to the inside of the gym, and... Will and Simon are laying on this trampoline and w- they are kind of having this introspective moment. And it's it's interesting to hear how these two talk to each other when Jay and Neil aren't around. Yeah, definitely. They sort of should be better friends than they are, I think, in a way. Like, they're more similar than than we see when they're with Jay and, Jay and Neil. Um, yeah. Will says, I'm allowed to enjoy this, aren't I? And Simon says, oh yeah, well done, mate. Top night. And Will says, tonight I win. The party was good. Charlotte, probably not a bet. And best of all, Donovan didn't beat me up. And Simon says, the last one you can only enjoy over the holiday. He'll kill you next term. <laughs> um, Will says, but did you really enjoy it though? And Simon says, yeah, I had a laugh. Why? Did you think I didn't? And Will says, well, you know, it didn't exactly go to plan with Carly. And Simon said, well, I was standing there ready to say all that stuff to her and it just wouldn't come out. And then I thought, am I really that bothered? And then Neil tried to fuck the teacher. And then as if on cue, (laughs) Neil like walks in and he says, oh, leave me alone. And uh, Will and Simon are kind of poking fun at him and they say, honestly, she looked like she was going to slap you, but I think your erection scared her off. What were you thinking? And Neil's like, I don't know. It was the suit. (laughs) It was definitely too jazzy. I thought Miss Timms would like it. Yeah, and Will says, what, even though she's 30, going out with Gilbert and would go to prison for snogging you? And Neil says, Gilbert was actually all right about it. And Will says, are you looking forward to biology next term? And Neil says, no, not really. (laughs) (laughs) So is this implying that Miss Timms and Mr. Gilbert are like boyfriend, girlfriend? Yeah, apparently that's, it's never, it never comes up again and it's never been brought up before. But yeah, it does seem that way for tonight at least. Yeah, uh, and and again, like I said, I, I'm very sad that we didn't get to see what Mr. Gilbert said to Neil, because I'm sure it was probably pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. J- Jay then enters, and he's like, oi, oi, geezers, and he's like, guess you just got a blurry behind the decks, and Simon says, well, not you, obviously. And Jay just says, like, guess again, mates, and Simon is just like, just for once, please don't lie. What happened? And Jay's like, blowy. <laughs> and Simon says, please don't lie, and Jay's just like, all right, all right. 
She gave me a hand job, not a blowy. And they're like, oh, I knew it was bollocks. And Jay just says, what? I just got a hand job on the school stage. That's better than any of you. And Willow and says, bollocks, it's already come down from a blowjob. You'll be telling us it was outside the trousers next. And Jay's like, yeah, it was. And Neil says, well, that doesn't count. And Simon says, that's not even a hand job. What just happened there was you spunked yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and Jay says, that counts. And the boys all say, that doesn't count. I'm in the I think it counts category. Yeah, I think it counts. It counts. It counts more than not getting a hand job outside the trousers. Like, you know, yeah. someone's touched you a bit at least. And, uh... Jay says, well, I haven't cleaned my cock yet, so does this count? And then he jumps on the trampoline, and we get kind of this slow pan-out shot of all the boys jumping on the trampoline together, and it's this very, like, kind of touching, and there's this nice little song playing, and it kind of just fades to black, and that's it. That's the end of Inbetweeners Season 1. Yeah, and the song is one, it's one of my favourite songs. We used very well here called A Pessimist is Never Disappointed by the Audience. And you don't you don't ever hear it, so I'm glad they chose that for the ending of Series 1. One thing that I have really enjoyed about this show is the use of the closing music on every episode. Mm, yeah, I agree. They did a really, really good job of kind of just hitting that, you know, a good song that kind of, if you only had to listen to the song you could totally tell what the episode was about just based off of the song. Yeah, I agree. It's It sort of sums up the, not just the episode, but like all of series one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Where is, sorry, go on. Now that we've talked about it, I realized that I enjoyed this episode way more than I did. I put this at number four. But you would put it higher now. Yeah, I'd probably put this one at number two. Like this one I thought was pretty fun. This one's better than Caravan Club for me. Yeah, this is a, it's a nice one. And I do sort of like, even though it's a bit schmaltzy, I do sort of like the sort of slightly schmaltzy message. Are you like cooking or something right now? <laughs> oh, no, no. I've just knocked over a, a cup with a load of pen lids in it. That's what you can hear. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I watched uh, the first... Sorry, go on. They're, they're all back in now. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I watched the first. I've watched the first, like, seven episodes of the first. Yeah. And fuck, that is a good show. Yeah, I've, I've watched up to episode five. I've just gone off-piste away from the Channel 4 broadcast because it's on the internet. So fuck you, Channel 4. If you're not going to put it all on all four like yeah, I can't live like this what do they why couldn't they just put it all on there so if I wanted to watch it all I could just watch it all but um yeah it's really good isn't it yeah oh man I thought episode five was awesome yeah it's really it's like it's had a few sort of quite surprising moments so I'm looking forward to seeing how that ends yeah I've got to finish the last two episodes but you know it's crazy because I could not name any anything else that I've ever watched that's had Sean Penn in it no me neither and- and I just think Sean Penn is just absolutely awesome in this yeah, show. Yeah, he's brilliant. And I was like, so Phil came in when I was watching it and he's like, what's he famous for? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Being married to Madonna, that's like literally the only thing I, I know him for. Yeah, that's all I know is that he was married to Madonna for a while. Yeah, and that's, but I can't think of anything I've ever seen him in or but he's a really good actor in it. Yeah, I was really, really impressed with him. Mm. Have, you, but, have you been watching see. anything else? Uh, not really. Just been listening to a lot of Limetown and um, been really enjoying Limetown. Yeah, I've, so. I've listened to those two now and I have enjoyed them. I'm intrigued to see where this is going. Yeah, yeah, I've really enjoyed the new season so far. Like I said, the, the first episode, I had to listen to it a couple times to fully, like, understand what was happening. Yeah, I'm glad you warned me that I needed to sort of 
have my thinking cap on because if I just listened to it casually driving, I, I think I would have had to go back. Yeah, but uh, I thought Boudreaux, the new episode, the episode that came out on Monday, I thought was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Getting to finally meet Sylvia after all these times. Yeah, and yeah. Kind of, I, I mean, yeah. I can't imagine if you've been waiting like three years for this. I can't imagine how yeah. thrilling that was. Yeah, I can't wait to kind of see where series two goes. Mm. I have heard that the book is not really all that hot. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a shame. I may try to, yeah, I may try to pick up the book after the baby's been born because I'm going to be taking like about three weeks off after the baby's born. Oh, you're going to have plenty of time for reading for sure. <laughs> definitely <laughs> yeah um so i would also like to thank our patreon subscribers that are funding this show you guys are the best you you folks i don't want to gender people here you folks are the best thank you so much yeah thank you very much patreons we don't have to do ads for blue apron because you guys keep this show ad free yeah and we appreciate it we really do um so at this point if you guys want you can stop listening here but uh laura and i were kind of i wanted to talk to laura a little bit about a this podcast that i listen to called the dollop has started a new thing called planet change 10 that i think is hugely important it's about climate change so if you want to listen to us talk about that that's fine also i've had a couple of people ask me about midterm elections so i just kind of wanted to now that we're you know, like 10 days or so removed from the midterms. I kind of want to talk about what the fallout for the midterm elections has been yep, sounds uh, good. since the actual elections itself. So if you want to drop out here, thank you guys so much We for listening. We will see you all next week. Uh, next week's episode, we are going to be doing the live watch along of the first two episodes of the American Inbetweeners. So we'll be watching American Inbetweeners 1 and 2, We'll both be watching it for the first time together and doing live commentary over it. So that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to this because I think I'm going to hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, I think we're both going to hate it, but that's okay. Cause why would we watch stuff that we actually enjoy watching? Yeah. That is, I mean, these were, that's what American remakes are for. Exactly. So, all right. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. First thing that I wanted to do and, uh, Laura, we are going to listen to the Dave Anthony of the Dollops speech after his the Melbourne show that they had, like, probably about a month ago at this point. Um, so, a lot of people don't know. It was recorded live, uh, so it's a little uh, echoey. Oh, okay. Two weeks ago uh, by the IPCC, uh, which is uh, a group of climate change scientists that get together for five years, and they talk about what's happening with climate change. Uh, so I put in a uh, report two weeks ago, and it basically said, we have 10 years. They didn't fuck around. They said, we literally have 10 years to stop what we're doing, or it's over. They said, uh, there'll be food scarcity, mass migration, 50% uh, animals will die, all the coral will be dead. So we're fucked. Ugh. So... Scary. I was trying to think about what to do because I have a son who's nine and I talked to their parents who were freaked out. I know parents whose kids go uh, to bed crying at night because of climate change. 
And when my son the other day, uh, we're this was the part that really hit me. Ah, when I get older, I'm gonna have two kids and a a big house and play baseball. And my first thought was, you're not gonna have any children because you're not gonna want to have children in this world because that's what the scientists literally just said. No one would bring a child into that world. So we're at this place where we've got a bunch of idiots who don't believe in science. Fuck them. They're the minority now. They really are. And the argument we've been having is fucking bullshit. Because we argue over whether or not the science is real. And that's on their ground. But the truth is, is that the scientists have done their job. They have proved that climate change is happening. At this point, saying that climate change isn't happening is like saying there's no such thing as air or grass. (laughs) So we're putting together a group, which we've put on Facebook, called Planet Change 10, P-L-A-N-I-T, Change 10. And the idea is, is to get these people together and kids who are scared. when people hear about what's happening with the climate, there's a psychological condition that happens where they shut down because they don't know what to do because we feel powerless because our governments are pretty fucked. So the idea with this is is to take all those people and get them all together and, and get them talking about their fears and get kids talking about their fears and have artists involved and have artists watching those discussions and have artists take what people are feeling and turn it into art. So like take it, put it online, or we can even have street art where we are fucking plastering shit out of us. But there's a million artist ideas to do stuff that artists can come up with that can make people who are scared feel powerful and start doing little things. You can, it can take that fear and turn it into something that can make a change. They control the media. Let's control control the fucking streets and the internet. So the and it's a big idea. It's like let's get everyone who's feeling like this together in in a group. And there's no one in charge. We'll just try to you know make put people together and make things happen. I mean, if you think about like the organization that some of these like alt right groups have. Like, it's fucking scary. And this is, like, there's not really, uh, you know, a way to actually affect the people in power. But the truth is, it's like old white dudes who are going to die before they really feel the effects of this shit, so why would they give a fuck? You know, <laughs> when you live in a world where your government is made up of, like, including lobbyists, around a thousand people, and we're the rest, they should not, we should not live in fear of them. They should be fucking scared of us. And by trying to at least do shit to disturb that and try to change it, which again, is not gonna be easy, but it would be better to be active than to just be like, oh, well, fuck it, you know what I mean? I got 10 Super Bowls left, or whatever. (laughs) You know, we're willing to get up and try to do something and I think what we're basically asking is take your phones out now. We don't give a fuck. Now's the time to do it. And just join. Planet Change 10. Planet Two Words. P-L-A-N. New Word I-T. And join it. And fuck these fucking assholes. It's right? also on Twitter. Same thing on Twitter. 
And, and like you were saying, like, if you take the kids who are scared, and we all had them write out their fears, and they went down to like Scott Morrison's office and just read them, even if he wasn't, even if he didn't fucking come out, if he got the press there, that's a thing. That's just a fucking thing that turns into something because if people see that people are scared, especially kids, it's going to affect them, and they'll start to fucking wake up. Yeah. It's just going to happen. You have, we have to put our fears out there. So. Yeah. So join the group. Like, spend the next ten years trying to do something about it, than just letting these assholes feel like they can pull one over on us. Thank you guys very much. We appreciate it. Okay. So yeah, so that was basically Dave's and the Dave and Garris speech from the end of their episode. And so as somebody who has a child who's going to be coming into this world in in January and you know Laura has two kids already, like I it that really like hit hard for me when he was, you know, talking about how like we basically have, you know, 10 to 12 years to really make a change before uh, you know, the planet before shit hits the fan. So uh, the science is out there, you know, please just like, uh, I'm not like a very active person and, but this is like something that I'm very, you know, passionate about. So please take some time, check out planet change 10. And, you know, even if you don't feel like you can do anything, doing something small is better than doing nothing. i I'm sort of feeling a bit like mind blown at this. I I think it's we all know this is happening, but it's really easy to stick your head in the sand and think, oh, it's you know that we've got all the time in the world to sort this out and to you know to think in to think in such clear parameters as ten years is really is really scary. I I agree, Laura. I mean, you think about you know they always talk about like okay, well the sun the sun is going to burn out in like a million billion years. And, you know, like, I won't be alive for that, so it's not something I'm concerned about. No, exactly. That's the... And not that I know on a logical level that, like, climate change is, is going to be, obviously, is going to be, like, sooner than the sun burning out, but it's sort of on the same... In my head, in, in a way, it's on the same kind of, like, well, I'm not going to be around to see this, and that idea that, actually, that this is going to be something that's going to affect us really soon, especially as, like, recently I've been tracing my family tree, which is really interesting, and seeing like your genealogy going back and to think that maybe that our family trees are going to stop with the the where it is now is it's awful it's terrible to think that you know then. so i have reached out to the dollop guys and they have given me permission to use the audio from that speech in this episode so um yeah i mean just ha- take a few minutes look at kind of the stuff they're doing if it's something that interests you, um, you know, take some time out to see what they're doing in your area. If there's nothing going in your area, like start something. Yeah, I think you know? we all, and this is something that says certainly since I've had children that I've come to the, and I don't do much, like I'm not going to sit and say like I'm a massive activist, I'm not, but even just things like recycling when it's not the easiest thing to do because, you know, we're all living in situations where we've got overstretched um local government and stuff like that and we don't have my part of london that i live in we don't have like uh food recycling or anything like that but to try and be a bit more environmentally conscious just off your own back is yeah yeah people at at my work laugh at me because 
I like if I see bottles in trash cans, like I will just pick them out of the trash can real quick and just go through it in the recycle bin. And people laugh at me, but I'm like, I'm like, there's a fucking recycle bin right fucking there. Yeah. Like it doesn't take any extra effort to put this bottle in the recycle bin than it does your goddamn trash no, can. No, it's right there. And I think that that's, you know, these are all small changes that we could all make, aren't they? That's the dollop. And it's a phenomenal podcast. I know I talked about it a lot, but it's phenomenal. They just did a episode about the life of John McCain, who was an American oh, politician yeah. who died this year. Yeah, that sounds interesting. He sounds like he was an interesting guy. It was interesting because he's always been portrayed as this like moderate, like maverick, like that he, you know, went against the Republican party. But, uh, when you boil it down, like his campaign, his presidential campaign was the one that paved the way for Trump's presidential campaign. Yeah. And so it's, it's it's very interesting. Mm, Okay. But also I've, I've had a few people ask me about the midterm elections and I just kind of wanted to, you know, talk about what, what is happening there. Um, the, Big takeaway is that the Democrats won seats in the House by a lot. Um, So the way the House works is that each state is divided up into districts, and each district has their own representative that goes to the House, and there's a total of like 430 districts across the United States. The House has been in Republican control since basically, I think, 2010 was the year that they lost the gavel. Um, So yeah, so basically since 2010, the House has been in Republican control. Um, The Democrats are poised to pick up about 40-ish seats in the House, which is huge. A lot of them were districts that Trump had won. So a lot of the the new Democratic uh, uh, representatives that are coming in are from districts that trump had won which was awesome like is is incredible to hear Mm -hmm. so that's wonderful news um one of the benefits to having the house is the house is where investigations happen so the house has the power of subpoena so they can you know subpoena trump's tax returns to make sure there's nothing illegal going on do you think that's about to happen Uh, because i've heard wild maybe not wild rumors online the last like two days that they think that he's about to get those tax returns subpoenaed. Well, nothing is going to be happening till January. And, you know, the problem is, is that this is going to go back to the Supreme court because I'm assuming what's going to happen is that this fight over Trump's tax returns are going to go to the Supreme court. And if it goes to the Supreme court, the conservatives have a majority and there will probably be some sort of like, oh, no, the president is not obligated to release his tax returns while he's allegedly being audited. And then that'll maybe put a damper on that. But, you know, whatever. The fact that we can actually... And one of the first panels that the Democrats have talked about adding is there was a climate change panel that was started when the Democrats had the House in 2007, and then that was killed in 2010 when the Republicans, or 2011 rather, when the Republicans took over. So they're going to have a climate change panel. And, um, you know, so there's a, a lot of really good things about the Democrats taking the House. Um, the House also is the one that sets the budget. So if we don't want a budget for Trump's goddamn wall, we don't have to. Right. So there'll be a lot of really positive things about d- the Democrats taking the House. The Senate was a little more of a loss 
Um, right now, it looks like the Democrats are going to lose two seats in the Senate, so it'll be like 53 to 47. Uh, this was a historically bad map for the Democrats this year, but we picked up a Democratic seat in Arizona, which was incredible. We elected the nation's first bisexual atheist to Congress, so that's fun. That's good that's i mean that's amazing that that's the first one of those that but that is amazing and then florida is all sorts of cluster fucky right now the vote the election in florida is absurdly close there's recounts going on right now there's a lot of controversy over that because trump has tweeted out that we shouldn't do the recounts um because the recounts are favoring democrats because a lot of the votes that they haven't counted yet are mail-in ballots, and a lot of those are from people who live abroad who may be more Democratic-leaning, so there's a lot of like votes that are still need to be counted. And they're basically saying to just ignore any vote that's coming in and go with whatever was declared on election night, which would mean that Florida has a Republican governor, a Republican senator, and a Republican secretary of the interior. Right. So, Yeah. It's all a giant clusterfuck, and we probably won't know anything for a few more weeks. It's so anyways, so. I mean, I thought our electoral system was complicated, but <clears throat> but your electoral system is mental. Like, just when I think I've got my head around it, it's then then something happens, <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't understand this. It all has to do with how difficult it is to vote in this country, which is and we and we have so many forms of voting. So there's. Basically, you can vote by mail-in, absentee. you can absentee vote, and as long as your ballot is postmarked by election day, it'll count. But think, I mean, it could take four or five days for a letter to get, you know, depending on where you live, it could take four days for a letter to get somewhere. So yeah, a lot of times the margins are just so overwhelming that the absentee ballots don't matter yeah. in the long run. Yeah. But in Florida where the difference between one candidate and another candidate is like 20,000 votes, those fucking absentee ballots could be everything. Yeah, I mean, it just sounds like it's so open to corruption as well, to be honest. So that's what the Republicans are saying, is that this system is rife with corruption. And so they have, in a lot of Republican states, they have made very, like, onerous voter ID laws. Yeah. And... Voter ID laws almost always overwhelmingly tend to hurt Democrats. Right, okay, yeah. Because they're more likely to be poor, more likely to not have access to photo ID and stuff yep. like that. Yeah. Exactly. We don't have a federal ID. No. No, neither so, do we. No. Yeah. So, you know, they put these restrictions in place and then wonder why everything is a clusterfuck for two months after the election. Mm. Not So... If you, depending on who you talk to, the Republican, if you talk to Republicans, they won because they expanded their majority in the Senate. It, it used to be 51 to 49. So if two Republicans defected, then a bill was sunk, which has happened a couple times. All right, okay. Um, so they've expanded their majority in the Senate by at least two seats, if not more. Um, I'm hoping hoping, hoping that it'll stay basically like 53 to 47. Yeah. Um, 
but the house the house was an overwhelming victory for the democrats and the, the stuff i was reading was saying basically it's like both sides are going to claim victory here so like yep. no one wins essentially <laughs> no 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 that's not true that's not true the senate map was historically bad for democrats this year there was a lot of democrats running in states that trump won mm -hmm. so like Claire McCaskill in Missouri. Missouri voted for Trump by 20 points. Okay. Indiana, where Joe Donnelly was running, Trump won by a landslide in Indiana. And then uh, Joe Manchin, who is a, he's a Democrat, was running in, in uh, Virginia, uh, West Virginia, which is a red state. John Tester was running in Montana, which is obviously a red state. So we had like four red state Democrats that were up for election. Mm. We two of them won. So, you know, it was not, if it was a win for Republicans, they would have won all four of those red states. They would have gotten rid of Manchin. They would have gotten rid of Tester. And uh, Martha McSally would have won in Arizona. So the fact that that's three seats they didn't pick up is a clear, like, repudiation. And so Republicans did not win in any way, shape, or form. Well, that's good. That's just my That's what opinion. what we like to hear, yeah. <laughs> so. And then, of course, we had to deal with all the bullshit in France this week, so. Yeah, I feel I feel just like it's just been a bad couple of weeks for you guys, just, like, news-wise. Oh, you just God. must be sick of the news. Yeah. And I'm quite sick of the news, because, like, Brexit gets worse and worse every week, but, you know, <laughs> you must be really sick of the news. Yeah, it's weird when you're living here and you're your new cycle is basically like a fucking reality show. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like you couldn't, you couldn't write this shit shit. Like the last two years in for both you, your, you guys and for us, you, you couldn't write this stuff. Yeah. And one thing that I'm really excited about is that the democratic party in the house, the Democrats in the house have a very clear agenda on what they want to do. Um, a lot of times when you have like a split government like this, like basically the house, when like the house was controlled by the Republicans, their big thing was repealing of Obamacare. Yeah. And they voted something like 68 times to repeal Obamacare and it would get passed in the house and then it would die in the Senate because the Democrats controlled the Senate. Yeah. So but what oftentimes will happen is that they will they will pass bills knowing that one of the like so the democrats are going to pass bills in the house that they know has no way of passing in the senate and but it's more just to say like hey here's the agenda that we want and if you put democrats in the senate and you vote for a democratic president this is what you're going to get mm. So their first big bill that they that they're going to pass is a automatic voter registration, right? Yeah, and um, then restoring parts of the voter voting right act that was gutted by the Supreme Court. So should be should be interesting to see kind of what the uh, the Democrats do, and then you know how Mitch McConnell and the Republicans respond because. There's like no real good reason to be against automatic voter registration unless you're, you know, trying to engage in voter suppression. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, you don't want everyone to vote. That's uh, 
Well, I'm glad you've got you to explain all this to me because, quite frankly, I'd be in the dark. So I look forward to you helping me understand the next few months <laughs> of this shit. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, but yeah, uh, please feel free to, you know, if you want to, if you have questions, just please feel free to tweet me on my uh, personal um, Twitter account at Sal the Bard. You can tweet me there. Lardy tweets me all the time, and I'm more than happy to discuss kind of what's going on. Um, yeah, I learned quite a few things from reading your tweets to each other. Yeah, but uh, thank you guys. If you listen to all this, thank you so much for listening to this. Yeah, thank you. Please, please, please take some time. Check out Planet 10, Planet Change 10, excuse me. Listen to the dollop if you want. They're great. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be going and looking so. at Planet Change 10. I'm interested now. And, you know, like I said, as somebody who has a child, you know, Dave's child is, I believe his his kid is like 9 or 10. So his son is a little bit older than your daughter's. But, you know, just to hear him say, you know, like, oh, my son wanted to do this, my son wanted to do this. And all I could think of was, no, you're not going to get to do any of that because you're going to be fucked because there's going to be food shortages and all that stuff just was like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's just so awful. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, on that positive, uplifting note. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for listening to us this week. Yep, have a great day, and thank you so much for listening to British Television Invasion. Goodbye. See you next week. Bye.